Well, hey, it is such an honor again to be, you're such a servant, man. This is, good. This, is this is great. Look at you. I'm going to move it back. Um, man, it is so good to be with you guys again, and I know I got to see many of you before service, and uh, it is such an honor to, to be here and um, love this church, love what God's doing here, and love the people here, and love just the heritage that this church has of pursuing Jesus. And um, we're going to start today like we do last time. This is exactly how I start anywhere I'm anywhere in North America preaching. This is the way that I start every time because I really believe the Holy Spirit is real, that he is active, and he wants to speak to you today. That even if you came today because your mom drug you here or uh, your spouse drug you here and you're not excited no matter what this week has brought for you, um, the cool thing about following God is that he pursues us. We're not just having to pursue him, but he pursues us as well. And so here's what I'd love for you to do. And for some of you, this might be super weird and it's fine. You'll survive. Um, What I'd love for you to do is just bow your head and hold out your hands in front of you like you're receiving a gift. Because anytime we hear from the word of God, anytime we sense his presence, it truly is a gift. That we get to sense him, that, that the God of the universe knows that you're here right now and he wants to speak to you right now. That out of the billions of people in this world that are here right now, God has a word for you today. And so let's just go to him and ask him to speak to us. Ask him to to refresh our souls. Some of us need refreshment today. And so, Father, I just pray your presence over this entire building. That, God, no matter if we've had a great week or a terrible week, if we've experienced tragic loss this week, if uh, we don't know which way is up, if our finances are in our mess, or if our marriage is a mess, God, we believe that you are God over all things. God, even in our joys and our pains, you are God over all things, and you are a God who is near. And so, Holy Spirit, we just say, speak to us now. Breathe life into us, and that we would sense you whisper to us today. So we love you. It's in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter one or your phones or your apps or your iPad or, I mean, if you use one of those silly Samsungs, you can open that up too, I guess. Um, I don't know why you have that, but that's okay. It's probably because you got a good deal. I get it. All right, Um, so open up to Daniel chapter one. So my parents, okay, so I was trying to Skype with my parents last night and um, well, actually, I would have FaceTimed with them if they had an Apple product, but they have Samsung, so we were trying to use Skype and I just, okay, anyway, Daniel chapter one. Okay, I just wanna make sure you're breathing. This is good, okay. So Daniel chapter, Daniel chapter one, and we're gonna jump over to Daniel chapter three real quick. So we're gonna look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is one of those stories, right, that we read it, like if you've grown up in a Christian home, you've heard it before. If you didn't grow up in a Christian home, this might be one that you're still familiar with. If it's new to you, that's totally cool. I, when I was ripping through this stuff this week, when I was reading the story again, there's so many new things that even though I knew the story, there's so many new things. So we're all on the same, same page, we're on this thing together. But it's one of those stories that if you've heard it as a kid, it's been, it's been you know, cartooned out so many times that I think that it's easy for us to, learn, to miss the power that really is in this story. And it comes, I think the power from the story actually becomes from the context around the story. And I just want to take a little quick point here uh, right at the beginning to, to help us understand that, that biblical and cultural context is key when we're reading these stories. That biblical context, that, that cultural context as we're reading these stories is key. I think it's really easy for us to pick a verse out of context and just apply it to our lives. And we can miss what God is really intending to say. 
And so what does it look like as we're looking at this story before we even jump into Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that story itself, to look about what's happening in Jerusalem and for the people of God in Israel, what's happening to them at this time? Because what's happened is the Babylonians, a whole other group of people that don't know God, it's a, it would be like somebody invading, they come and they invade and they take over God's people. And so they're in this part where God's people are not ruling and reigning. The Babylonians are who's in charge. And so what the Babylonians do, which is so interesting, the king of the time, King Nebuchadnezzar, he says this in uh, Daniel, 1, uh, Daniel 1, verse 4. He says, go find these young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. We will teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And then verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine in the king's table. They were there and trained for three years. And after that, they were able to enter the king's service. And so he's taking, he's taking the, Israel, the Israel culture and completely removing it. He's completely imposing the Babylonian culture over that. But he was a smart enough leader to go, you know what, we need to probably educate the people that we're now taking over. So let's go find these really smart people. And so he goes and finds these four people specifically, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he goes and he's trying to take over this culture, right? So he goes, let's go find the people who know the people who have influence. Let's get these, th- these four people. They're very, they're very well informed. They're very, you know, they're, we, they're, they're easy, easily taught. So they'll learn. And so he ends up teaching them. And, it, and it's so interesting to me that he says, we're going to teach them our language. We're going to teach them our literature. And we're going to train them for three years. He's trying to do everything he can to make sure that these people understand the expectations of being a Babylonian. He's trying to make sure that they understand fully what it means to be Babylonian. And so he takes Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, Daniel's not really having it. He's, he says, you know what, I, I still want to follow my God. And so he gives his superior this challenge. He says, okay, look, you want us to eat the king's food. I don't want to defile my body in this way because God had given us these instructions to not do this. And so he goes, give me 10 days. Let me eat what God told me to eat for 10 days. You eat, you have your people eat what they eat. And then whoever looks better at the end of those 10 days, maybe, then we can keep doing what we do. And so he gives them this challenge. They go through the 10 days. And what ends up happening is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're healthier, they look better than, than anybody else in the kingdom at that time. And I love what it says in verse, uh, verse 20. It says, every matter of wisdom and understanding, which the king questioned them in, he found that these men were 10 times better than all the uh, magicians and the enchanters in the whole kingdom. So even though, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are not in major places of authority at this time. They're getting educated into that. There's clearly God is setting them apart for something more, even in the midst of all of that. And then King Nebuchadnezzar ends up having this dream. And he says, okay, he goes to his magicians and his enchanters and said, you guys tell me the dream. And they can't do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar had this weird thing that he's like, if you don't listen to what I'm going to say, I'm going to cut you in pieces. He mentions, like, there's like two different places in the first few chapters where he mentions cutting people in pieces. I don't, that's just weird to me. I don't get that. But that was his thing, I guess. And so Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, if you don't tell me, we're going to take over. We're going to get rid of all the musicians, which would include Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, look, if you guys can't figure it out, 
going to cut you into pieces. So Daniel goes, prays to God. God gives Daniel the interpretation of this dream. He goes to Nebuchadnezzar and tells it. Nebuchadnezzar is blown away. And then in verse 2, just let me read it to you. It says this. He made Daniel ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge um, of all of his wise men. Moreover, Daniel requested the king uh, appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the providence of Babylon, which Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Okay, so here's the full context before we even get into the story. These are some young guys who've been taken over by the Babylonians. They've been taken over. They're not in charge. They're living in a different culture. Their country has been taken over. But they find favor in the sight of the king because of the, the inspiration that God has given them. And so much so that the king Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't put his people in charge of the stuff. He puts Daniel in charge of the stuff. He puts Daniel in charge of his kingdom. And Daniel says, hey, these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're with me too. And so he, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are also put in authority. In a country that's not their own. In a culture that's not their own. So these guys, the scripture tells us that, you're, that they were young men. Here's what's really interesting to me about them being young men. Is that if you, if you do any research... Uh, about kind of what age these guys would have been, they most likely were somewhere between the age of 12 and 19. They were somewhere in the age of 12 to 19. We would refer to them as kids. Maybe a young adult. But these were not 30 or 40-year-old people. These were young, young people. Young guys leading at a high level. Not only were they young people, but they were culturally aware. They knew their context, and they knew their context so well that they were placed over in power. Okay, so we got it? We there? If you're with me, go, uh-huh. All right. So this is where we pick up the story. This is what's so, so interesting. 12 to 19 years old, okay? Let's play this game just so we can get a little bit more context. If you are between the eight, this is participation, otherwise I'm gonna start preaching hard here. Okay, um, if you're between the ages of 12 and 19 in the room, would you please just stand up? Male or female, just stand up. 12 to 19, who are you? What's up? okay. I'm gonna make you stand up really long so it's really awkward. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. This is the age that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been at this time. Running parts of the kingdom. Okay, you guys keep standing. Seriously, I'm gonna, I got a point here, okay? These folks that are standing up, and I know you get this, Eagle Church, but let me remind you. This is not the church of tomorrow. This is the church now. These young people are fit to lead now. These young people can disciple now. These people are leaders now. 
could you imagine with me just for a minute what would happen in our Americanized Christianity if we actually began to understand, and I talked about this a little bit last time, but I just want to give you visual this week, that the same Holy Spirit that lives in us as adults lives in these students now. The same anointing and perspective that is on you are in these students, are in these young people, that they can lead in the kingdom now. And this is who we're talking about in this story, leading in this, leading in this story. You guys can sit down. Young people leading the way for an entire nation. But they can just be greeters. Let's let them hand out the papers because they can handle that. No, well, they can, they, can be in the, they, can, they can serve in the kindergarten room. It's okay. It's safe enough there. They can't really screw too much up if they're with the kindergartners. We can deprogram them by the time they're in first grade. I know we don't say this stuff out loud, hopefully. But what kind of kingdom force could this church unleash if we began to put kids and students, I'm talking kids too, I love what he said, he's like, you know, I know that they were kids, but they were praying over, of course they were. Because in the last days, God's gonna pour out his presence on our sons and daughters and they're gonna prophesy as well. That we're not waiting, we're not waiting for some, some, you don't have to come of age to preach. You don't have to come of age to lead. You can do it right now. My four-year-old daughter is always with us when we're going to pray for people. You know, this is so funny, you'll appreciate this. I'm gonna get to the rest of the message in a minute, it's fine. We were speaking at a camp last week, uh, or two, week, two weeks, two weeks ago now. Beck and I were, were, we were preaching at a camp together. Our whole family was there. And uh, uh, we love praying for people. And um, my four-year-old, she's so funny. I go, I'm like, Annalie, we're gonna go up front and, and pray for people. Do you wanna come with us? And she goes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. She like starts jumping up and down because we're gonna get to go pray for her. And she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then points at me and goes, wait, did you bring the oil? For those of you who don't know, James chapter five says to anoint people with oil. It's not weird. It's biblical. It's not like you're dumping it on them. You just, okay, you know what I'm saying? But in that moment, she grew my faith. Like just a simple thing like that. And people like, oh, she's four. She's just being a kid. Or God's spirit was speaking through her. I don't wanna miss any place that God wants to speak. I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to miss it. If that's a two-year-old, a three-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 18-year-old, I, I just don't want to miss where God's speaking. I, I don't want to miss out on what God is doing in, in, in his young people. I just don't want to miss it. So Daniel chapter three. So here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar, they've they've got favor with the king, right? Like they're in charge of stuff. Daniel's in charge of stuff. But King Nebuchadnezzar gets this idea that he needs to build this statue. So look here at verse number one. It says this. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high, six cubits wide, and set it up in the plains of Dur in the province of Babylon. This would have been about 90 feet tall and about nine feet wide. So if you put nine basketball goals on top of each other, 
and then laid a basketball goal on its side. That's how big this, this, this statue was. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not like a small deal. Like, that's a huge, a huge thing. I have no idea how big the ceiling in this room is, but somebody does, and you can tell me later. But it was really big, really tall. So the king sets the statue up, and this is what he says. This is the plan in verse number four. It says, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people from every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, and he lists all these musical instruments, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up before you. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So he says, you've got to fall down and worship this gold idol, which obviously is completely not what the the Israelites believe. So the trumpets blow, everybody bows down, except, look at verse 12, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold. You've set up. The Bible tells us that this Nebuchadnezzar is furious. Not mad, furious, angry. Tells him to, to, to heat the, the furnace seven times over. And says to them, if you're not gonna bow, you're going into the furnace. So here are these somewhere between 12 and 19. A lot of scholars believe that they're probably on the lower end of that. Standing up, not against a peer, not against a, a, you know, someone in the same even age group as them. Standing up against the king of the, uh, of the nation. And this is what they say. This just blows my mind because I, I just don't know that I could have done it. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Yeah, that's what I would have said. We don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. So not only is he going to, he's he's capable of saving us from it, he'll save us from the furnace and he'll save us from you. Burn. Pun intended. I mean, you'll get it a little bit. It's fine. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Don't miss this. Look, 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 Look at the text. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. But even if, say even if, even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold you have set up. Are you kidding me? Let let that sink in just for a second. He's saying, okay, our God is going to save us, but even if he doesn't, You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were gonna follow God through the even if. 
they were so sure about their relationship with God, they were so sure of God's faithfulness that even if, you, put, you fill in the blank, whatever it would have been, this is death, even if he doesn't save us from us getting thrown into a fiery furnace that's seven times hotter than normal, that's so hot that when the guards walk them up, that, they, that they, the guards die. This is how bad this thing is. Even if, even if, that, that way it goes down, we're still, we're still not gonna bow down. And here's the thing that I've been wrestling through this week is that I think that there's been lots of times in my life where I haven't been an even if person, but I've been a God, I will follow you only if. God, only if you come through for me in this area. Only if you do this. And maybe for you, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you it's like, God, if only you would provide this job. If only if you would save, save my kids. If only if you would do this. If only my finances would get better. If only if my business would succeed. If only I would get the part in the play. If only I could make the team. And I've, and, I've, and I've put, at different times, I, I, I know that I've put my, my pursuit of God, uh, it's almost as if I put my pursuit of God only based on, on, uh, on, on what I get out of it. That as long as I'm seeing the blessings and the favor of God, my pursuit of him is more intense. But as soon as I don't see the provision of God coming, my pursuit of him begins to lack because, because it's, just, it's just only, God, if only you would do this for me. I wonder what it would look like. This is a question I've been asking myself these times. I mean, I've been following God for a long time. And I think if I'm really honest, I still have these moments of only if. But I, but I wonder what it takes for me. Like, I wonder what it's gonna take for me to come to this point that no matter what comes my way, that even if Whatever it is, I'm gonna pursue God with the same intensity as I do when his favor's upon me. Because when I read about following Jesus in the New Testament, I don't really read a lot of excitement and glamour. I read of persecution. I read of the people closest to him being killed, being exiled. I I, I, I see Jesus say that if you really want to know me, you really need to know me in my suffering. And I think if I'm really gonna I think if I'm really need, if I'm really going to discover what Jesus is, if I look at what it looks like to follow Jesus and and what Jesus says about following Him, I think it's I think it's really about following Him, even if. I 
Like when the rubber meets the road and stuff in life starts going bad. Maybe your life isn't like mine. Like my, my you know, maybe, maybe everything in your life is perfect. Like you've got all, you know, everything's great, you know. Nobody's ever been sick in your family. You've got plenty of money. You know, your business or your job's doing great. You're always getting the promote. Like I'm sure that's your life. I'm, I'm sure that's, I'm sure I'm the only one that has hard stuff. What if we begin to show the world what it looked like to follow Jesus even when it was hard? What if we begin to follow Jesus as hard in the difficult stuff as we do when it's easy? Because this is what's so powerful to me in this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of, of, they, of their even if moment. And I, they're, they're even if moment, because this is, this is what, this is just so crazy to me. I just want to read it to you. Just let me read it to you. Here, here's what it says. It says, and Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in the army to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing robes, and all their clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, he was so mad, and the furnace was so hot, and the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men that were firmly, that, that were firmly timed fell in. The guys that were carrying them fell in. Then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three guys that we threw in? Weren't there, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the furnace? They replied, certainly, O king. Verse 25, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached and opened approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads even singed. Their robes were not scorched, and they did not even smell of fire or smoke. Even if it doesn't go well for us, king, we're not going to bow down. And watch at Nebuchadnezzar's response. Then King Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own. How would this world begin to change if this was the type of faith that the world saw coming out of us? It doesn't mean that we have to like put on a fake Christian face and pretend that things are easy. Hashtag blessed. 
But what it means is that we have an unshakable faith that God's faithfulness is going to be there, that he's the God that will never leave us, that will never forsake us, that even in our suffering, Matthew says that blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, that even in the hard stuff, what this word tells me, what his word tells me is that even in the hard stuff, he's not going to leave me. He's not going to go. He's closer than a brother. He's going to be standing right there with me in the midst of the hard stuff. They don't need to see our prosperity. They need to see our faithfulness in the brokenness. Because when you see King Nebuchadnezzar's response to their faithfulness, verse 29, he says this, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, here he goes again, will be cut into pieces. I don't know what his deal is with that. Well, cut into pieces, and their houses turns into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Come on. So here's my question for you today. If you're really honest like not putting on the fake Christian, not putting on your Sunday best and all this other junk. Like if you're really honest in your heart of hearts, are you an only if or are you an even if? And you know what? You might have some legitimate reasons to be an only if. Like you might have experienced some like significant loss in your life where you're going, dude, I've got questions for God. Me too. But don't let your pain, don't let the suffering, don't let the hard things keep you from realizing the faithfulness of God. Don't let the enemy, don't let Satan use anything to keep you from keeping your head up and looking straight ahead at the world and going, even if God doesn't come through, even if the brokenness keeps coming, even if the hard things come, I know that my God is good and he is with me to the end of the age. Band, you guys can come on up. Church, what's it gonna look like for us to be an only if people? How, how would God build up your faith? How would he sustain you? How would he come through for you? How will your perseverance through whatever you're going through begin to produce character in you? Because what I read and hear is a God that says that no matter what, he's gonna be walking right there with me in the midst of the hard, in the midst of the gross, in the midst of the pain, that his, that my job isn't, isn't just to be fruitful, but my God is just to be, my, my job is just to be faithful to him. So here's what I'd ask you to do as we're closing out today. Is just, if you would, just close your eyes where you're at. 
and just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, is there any, are there any places in my life right now that I'm, that I'm living in only if? Like, is there any place in my life right now that I'm living in only if? Where I'm putting my pursuit of God with conditions. That I'm putting my pursuit of God with limitations. That I'm, pursu- per- that I'm putting my pursuit of God with expectations that if only if God will do this, then I'll pursue him more. Father, we love you. And God, we believe that you're a God who's faithful no matter what. We believe what your word says is true about you. And I just want to pray this, I just want to pray this passage of scripture over you guys. And Lord, we're going to worship a little bit more. But let me just pray this over you. I want to read this and pray this over you. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Don't miss this. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life so that you may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.